Psalm 88, a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah, for the director of music, according to Mahalath Leonoth, a masculine of Haman the Ezrahite. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do your spirits, do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of, of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer becomes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. This is perhaps a good point to address the, the elephant in the room, or rather the, the awkward silence in the room. Hmm. Uh, why, why no music? I was in the process on Monday morning of doing what I would normally do on a Monday to think through what we believe that God might be saying to us on this particular Sunday, and I'd make recommendations to whoever's leading us in music, perhaps to select songs that might fit that theme. But see, here's the thing. Every song in our song list contains wonderful notes of joy, of gratitude, of, of expressing praise to, to God for who he is and, and what he's done. It's, and that's right. 
There's nothing wrong with that. Except, what if I have a relationship with God, I, I believe in him, but there's a voice in my head telling me that I'm rubbish 24 hours a day. I feel numb. Any emotion or feeling would be welcome, happy or sad, but instead, there's nothing. I seem to have no control over my mind. It's like someone or something else has the remote control inside my head, changing channels from one channel to another, one of fear to one of anxiety to one of extreme depression, and I have no control over what I watch. It just keeps going on and on and on, which brings about this incredible distance between me and the rest of the world. I, I seem to never be able to live in the present. I'm distant. And no matter what I do, no matter how I try, I cannot seem to shake it. It is there, always. I am depressed, I am anxious, I am sick. It is never going away. It makes me wrestle with anger. It makes me furious. It makes me cry out in utter pain and despair. Day in, day out. Week in, week out. Month in, month out. Year in, year out. It never changes. Come to church. The songs of joy will make you feel better and change the way you think. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. In fact, it just makes me feel that there's an experience or a reality that other people get to have that I don't. And so the distance grows bigger. And the darkness, deeper. Can I ask you, dear friend, is that, is that you? Is it you today? Is it you most Sundays? Has it been you for most of your life? Has it been you for the last three months or six months? If it is, then you sorely need Psalm 88. This, I hope, and I can only trust, is the day where you are met. A psalm that understands you and behind it, we're going to see, I think, a God who understands you. So, so here's what I want to do. I want to just look a little bit through this psalm. We're going through a series of, on the psalms uh, here at Pathway to Life and, and, and we've said that these psalms give us various insights in what might be involved in living in a relationship with God. Uh, it's, there are a great many things and today obviously is one of the 
heavier, darker things. So, so I'm going to just draw out a few features of the psalm. Then we're going to answer a tough question that it raises. And then I, I want to finish with saying, well, okay, why is this a good psalm? <laughs> is anything good about this? There truly is, and we'll end there. Okay. Come with me. We'll, we'll, we'll explore it. It sort of starts by saying, almost optimistically, God, you save me, and, and, and day and night I cry out to you. God, you're good to me. You help me. You, you come through for me. But I almost wonder if that is sheer sarcasm <laughs> that's at play, because it straight away just plummets. It, it just plummets really deep. I'm overwhelmed with troubles. My life grows near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. The pit is a place of death in ancient Hebrew thought. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lay in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. And now the very interesting thing. Who is blamed here? Shell it out. God. You've put me in the lowest pit. It's your wrath that's lying heavily on me. You're overwhelming me. You have taken from me my closest friends. <laughs> that raises a very big question. Is he right? Is it true that it's God behind your affliction, your suffering, your hardship. Psalm writer makes no bones about it for his sake, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll hold the question, just hold on to it for me. Is, is, is God responsible, right? We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that in a minute. Psalm moves on. He, 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 I think the person who wrote this no human being is innocent of everything, but I think this is a pure motive person. I don't think this person's suffering is in consequences to things that he or she has done, or he, in the writer's case, has done wrong, that you can say, yeah, it's because you've done this that you now are in this position. I don't think so. I really think this person is, is pure motive. Listen to the arguments with God of why this person wants God to help them and change their suffering. Because if I'm dead, how's that going to bring glory or praise for you, God? This surely cannot make you look good if, if, if my suffering continues and endures and in the end it, it, it results in, well, certainly in the case of mental health, what statistics tell us. How is this good for you, God? If for no other reason then Heal me, help me, pull me out of my, my depression. And, and, and by the way, we, we need to apply this today to mental health is, is complex, but, but let's work with at least this is a, your spiritual condition is a part of mental health struggles, but you also got many other ways of suffering, chronic illnesses, diseases, um, you name it. Anything that places a human being in sustained darkness, this is what we're talking about. And this person is saying, how is that bringing you, God, any sort of glory? Right? From my youth, 
I have suffered. This is a chronic sufferer. This is a sufferer who's walked with an issue for all her life. This isn't six months ago or three months ago. It's lifelong, right? Years and years and years. And then the psalm ends in verse 18 on this. You almost want to cry when Anka read it. Darkness is my closest friend. You know what we really don't like about this psalm? Because the ending is unfinished. Uncertain. We we don't know if this changed. (laughs) The outcome is... (laughs) as, As humans, we often prefer bad news often over no news because at least it draws a line. Psalm 88 refuses to give us that. We, we don't know. We, we, we don't know whether this affliction lifted or whether it became better or not. That's Psalm 88. Right? Now let's, let's work with it a bit. Particularly if you're new to God or to church or unfamiliar, this is a very confronting question. This is a question that keeps many people well away from church, well away from God, well away from anything to do with Christianity, is if God is good, why would this happen? Why would would bad stuff, to put it mildly like this, happen to who we, I think, can safely construct is a good person, as good as a person can be, right? An undeserving person of this suffering. Did God allow this person's suffering? Oceans of ink have been spilt on this question. I'll go with the short answer this morning. At least I'll say what I think. I think yes. Because I think that if God is ultimately all sovereign, in control of all things and can stop all suffering and can heal all diseases and if he truly is all that and it occurs then he had the ability to stop it. Yes. Which gets to the next question. Why? Why? Why me? Why her? Why him? On what basis does he decide the calculus of this? Why? We don't know. We don't know. Again, we can be here for four hours on this. We don't. No, it's mystery. We don't know. And then we get to the real deep question, and that's the real rub of it, is I cannot worship a God like this. Why would I? Why would I? Why would I be a Christian? Why would I submit myself in worship to a God who, if he is all-powerful and all-sovereign and it is in his ability to eradicate all suffering, does not? Why would I? Why would I do it? Well, here we do have some answers. Good ones. Number one. While we may not be able to explain exactly why God allows bad things to happen to good people, 
in the first place, nothing else will explain it either. That's a weak reason, but we can go and dig in all of philosophy. You're not going to find a satisfying answer. This is a human mystery. It is. So, so don't ditch God. Don't ditch Christianity thinking there will be a satisfying answer elsewhere. There is none. We don't know. Nobody knows. But here's what we do know. And this is why you should hold on to God. Because of what we do know about him. You know what we do know about God? He knows your suffering. He knows it. Because on the cross of Christ, he suffered. His darkness was a darkness that will outdo yours any time, a hundred thousand times over. The, the God of the Bible, the God of Christianity, the God who calls us to worship him knows your suffering as a human. Your suffering is not known to him. Uh, sorry, is not unknown to him, is not foreign to him. More of that, because of his suffering, your suffering will end. The, the gospel message of the cross of Christ is that he came to die, to give his life as a ransom for many, so that on him all consequences of the curse of human sin is laid, that in his resurrection he's the first fruit he gets raised to a new life, free without suffering. And so will you. <laughs> and so will a renewed humanity that one day will live in a new heavens and a new earth. Abandon God, what hope have you left? What do you hold on to? You see, you, you have hope. It's yours. This is what we do know. We, we don't know the answer to why, how God decides that, but we do know what he has done. He has come to suffer for us, and because of his suffering, our suffering has an expiry date for it. Friend, despite your suffering, would you not please, and in the midst of it, reject the hope of the gospel? Do not reject God. An endless hope comes with belonging to Christ. Your future is secure. And you will inherit it as sure as you believe it. But, you say, <laughs> I still have 40 years to live. Or 50. Or 60. What about that? What, what about that? What, is, is, what hope is there for me now? It's one thing to go, yes, there and then. What about here and now? This is where I want to talk about the good things of Psalm 88 before we finish. Psalm 88 does three things for you as a sufferer in this life. Here they are. Psalm 88 makes room for you in the heart of God. Isn't it significant that in the sacred 
word of God that reveals to us who he is, he places some words that truly and accurately and honestly and robustly acknowledges you and your suffering. You have a place in the Word of God, which means you have a place in the heart of God. The Word of God does not say to you, oh, it's tough, but it's really not that bad. Or it sucks, but I'm, oh, you know, I'm certain it'll change soon. Or, you know what, if only you have enough faith, it can change. No, Psalm 88 says it really is that bad. And I don't know when it's going to go to an end. I don't know if the cancer is going to go or not. I don't know if your mental health is going to improve or not. It's unfinished. It's uncertain. We don't know that. But here's what we do know and hold on to that. Right? There's room. There's room. I think true sufferers are blessed by this. Do not have the trite and trifling light words that are well spoken in well-meaning motives but it doesn't really meet you in the raw guts and blood of how you truly feel. Psalm 88 does that unflinchingly. And we can praise God for that. There's a place for you and how you are suffering, right? There's room for you in the heart of God. Number two, uh, there's room for you in the family of God. And I think this is where the church can grow perhaps a little bit. We love to have testimonies, often, where we talk about God's goodness of how God has changed something and improved something in our life. When was the last time we had someone standing up here and say to us, I think God has forgotten me. I'm super angry and hurt at you, God, because you make me suffer so much. Thank you very much. And I sit down. We don't do that, do we? Should we? Uh, I think Psalm 88 asks us the question. Perhaps in a gathered context like this, perhaps in small groups, perhaps in conversation with Christian friends, there's room for the open, robust, honest, this is how it is conversation. God invites it. God seeks it. God makes room for it. Music. Here's the funny thing. You know what Psalm 88 is? A song. <laughs> it was sung. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, I think it's the real irony that the whole point of Psalm 88 and Psalm 89 is to use the full force and power of music to equip the individual sufferer, to bring out your suffering effectively, powerfully. We do it with praise. We don't do it with suffering. Right? In many ways, it's not helpful. So perhaps we can throw out the, ch the, 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 the challenge to the songwriters among us. Can you write us a contemporary Psalm 88 to be sung, to be used? Right? Because there's room in the family of God for the sufferer. And thirdly, there's room, this is already touched on, there's room for the sufferer in a conversation with God. You can say this to God. In fact, you should say that to God. That's what Psalm 88 tells us to do. 
Now let me finish. You've done well sitting through the gloom of today. I think Psalm 88 is really like the gall of Scripture, the gall of the Psalms. You know, you have a gallbladder in your body and the gallbladder is there to help you digest some difficult things that you need to work through if you had all your nice spare ribs and it was all too fatty and you're going to get heavily sick unless your gallbladder comes to help you work through that stuff and balance things out. It's not the normal way in which you want to digest food. I'm no medical expert, but my understanding is that it comes out when it's needed. If it's the normal way you digest food, if you've got an overactive gallbladder, you're going to be very unhealthy. I've seen some gallstones coming out of people. (laughs) An overactive gallbladder is not healthy. Psalm 88 is not the normal mode of existence for a child of God. It's the exception. Out of the 60 or 65 psalms that are complaining against God, Psalm 88 and 89 are the only ones that don't have a note of positivity or hope or trust in God. It says to us that yes, there's room in the heart of God, in the family of God, in a conversation with God for the sufferer in true darkness as it is, but it is the exception. We sing every other Sunday and we'll continue to do so. We use the goal when we need it. And we pray that God would give us the wisdom individually, together, to know how to use it well. We thank God that he gives us room in his heart, room in his family, room in prayers for this life and his glorious hope for the next. Please pray with me. Father, thank you that you get us, that you get every single sufferer here this morning. We may not get each other, we may not even get ourselves, but you do. I pray firmly, emphatically, that you will lift the suffering of those in darkness. Heal their bodies. Heal their minds. Bring light. Bring deliverance. Save. Restore. Unto your praises. It is what we want and it is what we ask for. And I pray that on behalf of any and all who suffer this morning. We know that you can. We know that it sits within your power to do so. And we know that you will in a true and a final sense. But Father, in the mystery of what we don't understand, I pray for a great clinging in hope to you. I pray for assurance that, this, that my suffering brother, my suffering sister is heard, is enfolded in your arms, in the arms of your people, 
and in the prayers that rise to you. Give comfort, give assurance, give strength to endure right to the end. Lord, for we trust you and we know that you are good. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.